Hey guys, AJ Hoffman here. Just a heads up, we got no RJ today, no Steve Fezzik today, no Scott Seidenberg today. It's Mackenzie Rivers and myself. The regular pod is going to be recorded tomorrow. RJ and I are going to do a college football extravaganza, but we didn't want to leave you wondering on a Tuesday. So here's what we did. Mackenzie and I recorded. We talked some uh, some NBA. We talked some Mike Sando. We talked some Kyler Murray. So if you want to hear that, that's what's coming up next. And RJ and I will be doing some college football tomorrow, and that'll be up on your podcast player for Thursday morning. So enjoy. All right, welcome in special edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am your host today, AJ Hoffman. You may have heard my voice before. Here I am today. There's no RJ. There's no Fez. There's no Scott Seidenberg. Can we call it a wise guy roundtable if it's AJ? With just us two? And Mackenzie Rivers. It's a round table. I'll give you that much. The table is round. Although this isn't really round. I don't know how I'd even describe this. It, it looks like it, it. Our table here is in the shape of like a fidget spinner. <laughs> like it's like a, it's got three. I, I don't know. It, that's beside the point. It's an ununiform oblong table of learned individuals. That's what I, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. All right. So we're going to, we're going to do our best for you. Uh, the, those guys, listen, they're all great. RJ is a, a genius. Fez is a genius. Scott Seidenberg, hell of, <laughs> hell of a guy, smart guy. But we're going to do our best to soldier on without him. Showtime! Woo! All right, let's start with something I know you were excited about, McKenzie. I'll actually let you introduce this segment. Every a quarterback year. list came out, <laughs> and I know you're pumped about this. Mike Sando of The Athletic releases a quarterback list every summer much to my chagrin, because as you might have heard, I cannot pronounce Mike Sando of The Athletic very easily. Well, he released his list once again, and I kind of here's what I wanted to do. And he's got five tiers. I feel like his tiering system isn't ideal, and I get that it's like a you know it's a voting system and and all this, but I feel like tier one, the elite, is probably too big. And the rest of the tiers need to be divided up a little bit differently because you can't, in my mind, say that there. And Mike Sando's list had six guys listed as tier one. And the first three guys in tier two are Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson, who at their best are all pretty damn good. Like you could make an argument, these guys should be in the same tier as Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And honestly, if they were, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. But when you talk about elite, I don't think the move is saying, you know what, let's extend the elite tier. Right. So I think instead you trim the elite tier and you say Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen. This is the top tier of quarterbacks in the league. I like that better than the top. Than the, I shouldn't say. I, I mean, I like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Be I, I think you could make an argument for them being top tier, but I don't think your arguments for them are any better than the arguments for Stafford or Wilson or Watson would be. So instead of 
extending it, I think you make those four guys top tier. And tier two becomes Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Does anybody feel like they don't belong in that group? Not to me, no. And then when you go to tier three, and by the way, all of these guys save one are in tier two per his list. In my On my imaginary list, they're now tier three. Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins becomes tier three. The idea that Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson are on the same tier is it just bothers me. Or Matt Stafford and Russell Wilson. Like it, it just or Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. It feels like with career trajectory and, and things like that, it's hard for me to say Matt Ryan belongs in the same discussion with Matt Stafford and Russell Wilson at this point. No doubt. The top of the tier two list, you could all easily make an argument that they're one of the best quarterbacks in the league could be tier one. That's Herbert, Burrow, Stafford. Nobody's making that argument for Matt Ryan. They might no. be arguing that he should be tier two. He's right behind those guys. But nobody is saying he's at the top four level. And I think that's where that's why the line between two and three is a, pre, it's a pretty good place to put it. Uh, and you can argue whether Lamar should be in tier two or three with my system. But I'm, an, I'm still, the guy won an MVP two years ago. Like I'm, I'm still giving him that benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, nobody's arguing that those guys should be on the one line. No. So it makes sense. Tier four, and all of these guys are in tier three on Sando's list. My tier four is Garoppolo, Tannehill, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz. Now, he has three more guys in his tier uh, three, Goff, Lawrence, and Winston. I could make an argument for Winston going into tier four, but I just my tier five is all of those guys. Goff, Lawrence, Winston, and everybody below them. Fields, Tua, Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Daniel Jones, Mariota, Darnold, Trubisky, Locke, and Smith, Geno Smith. I'd probably argue that there should be a tier six for me that consists of only Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, and Geno Smith, and Zach Wilson. I think those four guys, to me, are the clear bottom four. They belong in a, a league of their own. <laughs> Davis Mills is, is is surprising to me. He's at 27. And Mike Sando's list is 35 guys. And you might say, well, there's 32 teams. Yep, he's got two guys from the Panthers listed, Baker and Darnold. Two guys from the 49ers listed, Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And two guys from the Seahawks, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, who are 34 and 35. Davis Mills, 27th out of 35. Ahead of Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Daniel Jones, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. Davis Mills had I, I, I know RJ loves the guy. Like he he sees something I just don't see. And well Belichick was gonna draft him, you know. I, I know. And then he didn't. <laughs> Got another guy. So I, I I get that I'm maybe I'm in the minority on people who are pessimistic about Davis Mills. And I I see a lot of Texans Twitter, which is pro Davis Mills at this point, because really, what's the alternative? Right. What, what else are you looking forward to this season other than Davis Mills might yeah. be a starter one day? It's like, oh, and now I will say this, Davis Mills, week 18 and week 16 were two of the three best games he played all season. 
And both of them came against good teams. Yep, upset win over the Chargers in Week 16, close loss to the Titans in Week 18. Although the Titans, if I'm not mistaken, the Titans had wrapped up the one seed. Sure, yep. So that was kind of the, the Titans' backups, their Titans' B squad. The only other good game Davis Mills played last year was against the New England Patriots, and he had a hell of, hell of a game, which surprised me because Bill Belichick normally is kryptonite to rookie quarterbacks. But he threw for 312 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and an 83.5 QBR, his best of the season. What is av- what's considered average for QBR right now? Well, it's supposed to be 50. It's supposed to be 0 to 100 or 50 is average. But as quarterbacks have gotten better, more efficient in the modern NFL, we'd say 53, 54 is about average. Okay, so I, that tells me this. Davis Mills played 13 games last year. In three of those games, he was above average. Sounds about right for a sixth-round draft pick or whatever. And, and listen, his his bad games were so bad. He his QBR against Buffalo, a game that the Bills won forty to zero. Davis Mills QBR in that game was zero point six. Z- zero dot. Six. Not there's no number before the z like before the dot. It's a zero. It's point six. So in other words, if you played a thousand quarterback games, you'd expect about six of them to be this bad. Point six percent. That's how it works. <laughs> I mean, that's. But it, you know what? Like it's got to be. It's such an extreme that I, I don't know that I I, I I I don't know how easy this is to find. How many games have been worse? What are the worst QBR games that have ever been played? And like, if you think back to last year, like, and I know, like, it's easy to say, well, uh, you could have a zero QBR game, which I guess technically you could. I, I don't think we've ever seen it, have we? Not that I can recall. I'm, I'm getting the super sheet ready. I don't think there's going to be many underneath point six QBR, but I'll tell you in a second. Because I think back to to Josh Allen's game against New England last year in the playoffs that was I'd make an argument one of the best quarterbacking performances I've I've ever seen six touchdowns zero punts yeah I mean the Bills offense was just phenomenal in this game his QBR in that game was 98.5 I'd love to know how like what kind what game was better than that like so if if that's on a zero to 100 scale there's going to be very few 0.0s and very few 100s. But I'd love to know, like when you say there, you expect six of those games out of a 1,000, I don't know if I expect six that are that bad. I don't know if, like, so it, and that, by that theory, there'd be 15 games out of a 1,000 that would be better than what Josh Allen did. And I'd argue there won't be 15 games better. Than, than that 98.5 game that Josh Allen had. So the extremes being what they are, like it, Davis Mills showed that he could be really, really bad to a level that we, we've hardly ever seen in the history of the NFL. And his good games were pretty good. but They weren't total garbage. They were. He had one game better than 80 in QBR. So starting in the 2018 season, there's been 2,172 quarterback games that we have tracked. Okay. 
four of them had less QBR, had a worse QBR than Davis Mills, 0.6. God, who were they? Who were those names? Let's see. I've, I've got to hear this because, I, I mean, this, has got to, this is a who's who. So uh, Justin Fields last year. Oh, so Davis Mills wasn't even the worst zero. last year. What was, what was Justin Fields? He was 0.0. <laughs> Eight for 38. They lost uh, by 35 in week seven of last year. Okay. And then there was also uh, week 17. Was that Daniel Jones or was he hurt? One sec. Z- uh, z- he had a zero. Mike Lennon, oh. 2021, week 17. The neck. 2019, I don't even know who was quarterback, Washington versus Week 8 Vikings in 2019. And then uh, you might remember this, Hilton for the Broncos, famous quarterback for the Broncos, mostly a receiver, but he, oh, was, yeah, a, yeah, he yeah. was a quarterback one day, Kendall Hilton. Those were the four worst. One, uh, so th- you're telling me three of the five worst QBR games in the history of the NFL happened last season? Uh, I'm sorry, our super sheet starts in 2018. So that's why 2,100 games that we've been tracking, three of the worst ones were last year. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. So okay, so last year was an especially bad quarterback year, and that was Case Keenum uh, last year against the uh, or in 2019 against yeah. the Minnesota Vikings. And he got hurt. Looked like Dwayne Haskins threw five passes and a pick. So yeah, that combined QBR, Mike. Mike Glennon, Justin Fields, and Kendall Hilton, a non-quarterback. Only people that have ever been worse in the last five years that we've been tracking than Davis Mills was. Yeah, because Case Keenum's QBR in that game was 72.3. Dwayne Haskins was 0.1. So, listen, what Davis Mills did last year was rare. Let's just accept that. (laughs) I just don't know that it's the kind of rare that makes you go, yeah, he's better than eight quarterbacks. If he had a Trevor Lawrence-type pedigree, where we were expecting yes. him to be a starter for years to come. That's one thing. But this is a guy as a third-round pick. He's not supposed to be in the NFL. He comes in, has some of the worst performances that we've seen. I don't get the optimism. I really don't. I think some of the guys – and you know what? It, that brings us to a good tr- transition point on this list. And let, let's talk about Trey Lance, who's at 29th, two spots below Davis Mills. Also, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jimmy Garoppolo was exactly 16th. Because as I say, Jimmy Garoppolo is the league average quarterback. Like he is, he isn't good, <laughs> and he's not shitty. He is league average. So out of thirty-two, yeah, sixteen. Trey Lance, 29th, two spots below Davis Mills, and this is where I it, I say this all the time about baseball prospects. The time when a in a major league baseball prospect is at his most valuable is when he has killed it in AAA. He looks like he is the next big thing. He's at the top of all the prospect lists. He is the next he's the next Mike Trout, at least according to whatever, you know, guys analyze these these minor league baseball players. Nothing will make one of those guys lose value more than getting called up to the big club for 10 games yep. and hitting 115. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like, "Ooh, that guy goes from being a, 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 a like if you said one to a hundred. That guy goes from being a ninety-eight in terms of this is an asset. It's a ninety-eight asset, low contract, controlled for several years, unlimited potential. Ten games later, where he hits one fifteen, he's a sixty-five. Sure. Uh, it's just it, it, it looks rough when he's up against major league talent. Davis Mills has had a 13-game sample in the NFL where 
Was there some ups and downs? Was it? Was there some ups? There's some ups. He had an up against the Titans B team when the Titans said, "You know what? We're, we're going to be the one seed. Let's sit everybody." The ups, the other two ups are very surprising. One against the LA Chargers, who had something to play for, yeah, and one against the the Patriots in his fourth game, which was his best game against Bill Belichick, who normally just absolutely owns rookie quarterbacks. So the, those two, they they do jump out at me as like very surprising data points, and that's a positive. It's yeah. like if you're gonna. I'd I'd be I'd be a lot less optimistic about him if he had two good games against the Jags, and that was it. But of those three good games, he had they lost two of the games. The Chargers was the only team, the only win that he had in those games. So I've seen a lot of him, and it's been enough to make me go, okay, if if his value was this coming into the season, yeah, I've downgraded him. Whereas Trey Lance. We haven't seen the full 10-game call-up to the bigs yet. Has he had some struggles against the first couple pitchers he saw? Yeah. But, A, his starting stock was higher than Davis Mills. And, B, we haven't seen him look bad against enough guys for me to say, yep, Davis Mills is definitively better now. I, I don't see that. I know, And I know you're as high as anybody on Trey Lance, no doubt. But this has to be surprising to you that, that there's more optimism about Davis Mills than Trey Lance. One of his two starts in the NFL, Trey Lance, was against Davis Mills. And I think if you were watching on that day, you might not have come away saying Trey Lance is all that, but you weren't thinking is Trey Lance better than Davis Mills. I mean, Texans had seven points. Mills threw only for a buck 60 despite throwing 33 times. 49ers scored 23 points. Lance. 300 yards of total offense and three touchdowns, just significantly better. Now, Mills' two data points, or two good data points, is enough for me to think he should be the starter, is enough for to get rid of, um, who's that guy they had? Get rid of Tyrod Taylor and say, oh, hey, yeah. Mills is the starter coming into the season. Great. But I don't put him above these guys with pedigree like Lance and Lawrence. And you might say Lance doesn't have that pedigree, only played a couple games in FCS1. There's a reason why he went number three. He has the raw potential that Mills... Never displayed, not in college, not in his first year. Well, I will say this for Davis Mills, and we, we've, we've talked about this with, uh, with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. It, Davis Mills was the number one high school quarterback in the country. That's pedigree. The, right. the year he came out. So it's not like Davis Mills was at one point, there was somebody who said, you know what, Davis Mills is going to be great. It, it, nothing about him in college told me that he was going to be great. And in fact, I think the reason he got drafted where he did was because he was such a, a top-level prospect coming in to college because he didn't do anything at Stanford that made you go, oh, yeah, this guy's the next big thing. It's not like he was Andrew Luck who took Stanford from a, like a, a disaster football program to actually winning football games. That wasn't what Davis Mills did. But I think people said, okay, well, there's some the, the same uh, potential we saw when he was coming out of high school, you can still see glimpses of that. So I, I guess, and at some point, those measurables account for something. You know who else has a lot of measurables? Daniel Jones. Yes. And Daniel Jones, and I guess it's it's difficult in and one we way. I say Daniel Jones, number 30, three spots behind Davis Mills. Yeah, so in a way, it's difficult to say, okay, well, if you compare Trey Lance and Davis Mills, that's not really fair in a head-to-head matchup because the 49ers – non-QB roster compared to the Texans is night and day. The, te- no the Texans probably have the worst roster in the NFL. 
the 49ers non-QB roster is top five in the NFL. So it's not apples to apples. But if you're going to say, well, you can't remove the team from the player, which for a list like this I kind of agree with, then you have to say, listen, Daniel Jones has had some of the worst NFL head coaching imaginable. Does that mean he sucks at football? I I don't know. Like, has he lived up to expectations? Certainly not. But I know I give him a lot better chance to succeed this year, given his natural tools and having a coach that seems like he actually deserves a job as an NFL head coach and a guy who is, you know, a quarterback whisperer who turned Josh Allen into Josh Allen. I'll give, I'll give Daniel Jones the benefit of the doubt there. If we're if but and I'm not saying Daniel Jones should be, you know, twentieth on the list either. I'm just saying it, it seems shocking that Davis Mills is getting so much love when other guys aren't. I think we should talk about how this list has been made to kind of show why this <coughs> disparity that we think is kind of wrong might be the case. So the athletic Mike Sando, easy for me to say, pulled thirty five <laughs> veteran quarterbacks, uh assistants, team personnel, executives. And he said, of these 35 quarterbacks, rank them tier one to tier five. So I think the trajectory of how good these people might be can be influencing. Because you might say, Davis Mills, tier three quarterback. Daniel Jones, I don't know, tier four quarterback. And they end up averaging those rankings. So it's not, oh, I think this guy's this good. I think this guy's is in this tier. So the fact that Davis Mills has had a lot of optimism makes him slightly more appreciated in this tier system by these you know, collection of voters than Daniel Jones. But I think if you asked one person who's better, Daniel Jones or Davis Mills, I think a lot of people, maybe more than 50%, would say, I'll take Daniel Jones and see what I got with Brian Dable taking, uh, taking over. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly on, in that group. Uh, the two guys that I would argue, and moving back towards the top of the list, the two guys I would argue were probably toughest to rank on this list for, for a multitude of reasons. Came in at nine and ten. Yep. Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. And Deshaun is an interesting case because we haven't seen him play. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a year now. Um, last we saw, he he had a really good statistical year that earned his team exactly four wins. Deshaun is one of the most confusing guys in the league to me because I always say, if you're an elite quarterback it's almost impossible for your team to be terrible. I think you can be an elite quarterback and your team is so bad that like, you miss out on the playoffs here and there. You can't get your team over the hump. Aaron Rodgers last year with Mike McCarthy, 8-7-1. and one. So better than average, but not, not a playoff. Yes. That's the extreme rare case for good quarterback. I, but I think if you are elite, it's almost impossible to lose 75% of your games. Like, I don't know what would have to go wrong. And, and that's why I think, it, I mean, literally that is what kept Matt Stafford out of the elite quarterback conversation forever. Yeah. And now, like, now you're allowed to mention Matt Stafford being like, okay, if you want to you argue Matt Stafford's a top five quarterback, I don't think you get laughed out of the room. If you tried to argue that two years ago, no one would accept the argument. How many people did you hear about talking about Hall of Fame and Matt Stafford before last Zero. year? Zero. Now he's a lock. Now he's 100%. It's, yeah, it's a given now. Obvi- I mean, obviously he's great. Look what he's done. <laughs> right, right. Look at his numbers. The numbers don't passing. lie. Uh, and mind you, nothing changes your perception 
when it comes to the Hall of Fame and really as a quarterback more than a Super Bowl ring. Nothing can. Like, if if you are a, a B-tier player, you're almost automatically A if you win a Super Bowl. If you're a C-tier player, you're you're a B-tier player now, or you're at least uh, the answer to a trivia question. <laughs> you know, you're Trent Dilfer, or you're, you're, you're Brad Johnson, you're one of these guys. But if you are a, a really good player, but no one wants to call you great because you haven't won, and then you win a Super Bowl, people have to call you great. Yeah. Like, there's nothing about Eli Manning that screams Hall of Fame nothing other than two Super Bowl rings. He was 500 as a quarterback for his career. But is there any doubt that he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Mario Manningham, David Tyree. Or what's his name? Uh, David Tyree, Victor Cruz. Like yeah. they, Those guys saved him. I mean, I mean, those catches, those two, those two catches, catches yeah. in the Super Bowl is why he's a Hall of Famer. But yeah, like that's what that, that changes everything. And so I get that aspect of it for Stafford, but Stafford put up a bunch of numbers for a long time. And he, I think he was always a, a, a pretty, top, like I say, top tier should be pretty small, so I won't say that. But he was the second tier. Yeah. And I think now people will reasonably hear that argument because he, because he got with a team that he could actually do something with. But if Desha- like until Deshaun does that, and this is his chance to do it because Cleveland is a very good roster. I talked about the 49ers being a top five non-QB roster. I, I think the Browns are in that discussion. So if he can, if if he gets with this team and can't get them to the playoffs, I think you have to have real questions about what Deshaun is as a quarterback. Is he a stat piler? Like is yeah. he a guy who just puts up a bunch of numbers and is never going to do anything? Or he takes that step and we go, "Yep, this is what Deshaun Watson could have been all like Matt Stafford. This is what he could have been. His team was so bad they were holding him back. Here it is now." But I, I do understand why there's questions about him, and that's not, not even to do with the legal stuff because I don't think that, t- that got taken into account here. I don't think. Well, who knows with these executives and coaches who, how much they were thinking, but I don't think so either. I think this is about the question marks if we haven't seen him play in a year. So just to put a point on how good he was when the Texans only won four games, he was 12th in QBR, all right. He was number two in PFF. So the guys that are saying, we don't care what happens on the stat sheet, we don't care about the box score, we're looking at every throw and trying to grade it and every run. He was the second-best quarterback, only behind Aaron Rodgers, the last time we saw him on the field. Fantastic. I, w- I covered him that season. Guy's incredible. The team lost damn near every game. <laughs> I mean, it, so it's, it's— Do you think it's easier maybe to put up, you know, immaculate stats when you don't have any pressure to win? I've always thought that. It's and a lo- Listen, and the fact is, a lot of the stats he put up came when they were down 30 points, and it didn't matter. Sure. So, and it's funny, I'd love to, I guess you have a way to do that, to sort out garbage time, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's see where he was. And while you're doing that, I'll, I'll talk about the, the guy who came in 10th on the list, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson may be the most polarizing quarterback in the NFL. Like, there are people who think Lamar Jackson isn't even a good quarterback, much less a great one. And then there are people who will say, he won the MVP two years ago. How can he not be great? There is a, a a viral quote going around right now from an anonymous defensive coordinator. Yep. And as RJ said, he, I mean, as he said with Deshaun Watson being able to face your accuser, it's real easy to say this kind of stuff when you don't have to put your name to it. But here's the uh, the current defensive coordinator who shall remain nameless said about Lamar Jackson. If he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really a good football player, 
But I don't give a shit if he wins league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two minutes, and that's why they have a hard time advancing even when they're good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he is just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It is hit or miss. A, do you agree with that? I have a few disagreements with that. One, if he wins 12 MVPs in a row, not only is he playing great, but he's beating whatever expectations, whatever bar they're putting out there. To win MVP again, people want to see more. The second thing is, the last time we saw him play, he was down by 25 against the Colts, came back and win. He was down by double digits against the Chiefs, came back and win. I'm not saying I predicted it. I'm not saying I saw it. But the last time I saw him down and he needed to throw, he did better than I expected. So I feel like that's kind of just thrown out the window, uh, thrown out people's expectations. But there's not that many data points we get when you're down in the fourth quarter. The last couple that we've seen from Jackson, he's been better than expected. RJ has said this, and I, I agree with it completely. If Lamar Jackson is above average as a passer, he becomes a, a top-tier quarterback. Agree. Because it, the, Aaron Rodgers can't grow what Lamar Jackson's got. Tom Brady can't grow what Lamar Jackson's got. Even Josh Allen, who, I mean, Josh Allen's probably, eh, maybe Jalen Hurts. I'm just trying to think of who the second best running quarterback in the league is. Even Josh Allen can't be Lamar Jackson with his legs. Like he can, Josh Allen's a great runner. He can't be Lamar Jackson. He, he can't turn into that. So if Lamar Jackson can get to where he's not a negative throwing the football, he automatically becomes great because the rest of his game is so unique and, and rare. I don't know. I, I don't like saying he's a he can be a one football player but not a one quarterback. The guy's a quarterback. And whether it, this isn't 1984 where quarterback has only played one yeah. way. Think I, about what that's saying. It's like I know me, the assistant coach or whatever, I know what a quarterback is. Mark Jackson might succeed doing what he's doing, but he'll never be what I define a quarterback to be. It's kind of ignoring the fact that that definition of a quarterback has always changed since Otto Graham and Sam Baugh. Lamar Jackson brings something to the table we've never seen before. Will it work? That's the question. Not, you know, is it what a quarterback is? That's always going to be fluid. I, that's what I think. I, 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 don't, I think saying, like, this is how quarterback is played is silly and it's old school. And if – listen, the Ravens have won a lot of games with Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. A lot. Yep. He, and so you could say, well, has he, has he won a Super Bowl? No. Has, has Josh Allen won a Super Bowl? Has Justin Herbert won a Super Bowl? Has Joe, Her, uh, Joe Burrow won a Super Bowl? Has Deshaun Watson won a Super Bowl? No. Not everybody's won a Super Bowl. Right? It, it ain't easy. No one's. It, it's, it's supposed to be hard. But to say that like something about Lamar Jackson's skill set says, nope, can't do it, that's just bullshit. Because like, are, are you going to tell me definitively Trent Dilfer's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson? Some, somehow the Ravens won a Super Bowl with him playing quarterback. How's that possible? If I, I guarantee, if you, if you interview all these guys from you know that Mike Sando interviewed and said, "Hey, you want prime Lamar Jackson or do you want prime Trent Dilfer?" I, I would, I can't say with certainty, but I would guess 
99 out of 100 would say they'd rather have Lamar Jackson. You think they win the 2000 Super Bowl if you put in Lamar Jackson and Trent Dilfer? I think yes. So. I think so. Yes. Can't mess it up that bad. So Lamar Jackson, 38 and 15 as a starter. Pretty good. Garoppolo better. No, I'm sorry. Brady better. Patrick Mahomes better. That's it. That's, That's those, the list? Yeah, those are the best starting quarterback winning percentages. So better than Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Useful? Hmm. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> The god of quarterbacks. Yeah, that, that's fascinating to me. Did you find the Deshaun garbage time numbers? Yeah, so he was ninth in 2019 by EPA and uh, completion above percentage composite. 11th when you take out garbage time. So he did have his best performances in garbage time, arguably. Okay. All right, let's go to another guy on this list who I think is – and, and we're going to transition uh, into our next discussion here – but a guy that's talked about a lot and is in the news right now, Kyler Murray. And I, I, Kyler Murray's got his doubters, and he's got his hardcore believers too. Um, I probably fall into the former category. I, I have more doubts about Kyler and his ability to stay healthy, I think, than most people seem to, which I, I don't understand. I, like, I feel like... I shouldn't be on such an island right. with doubting Kyler Murray's ability to stay healthy. It's like if, if I took my 10-year-old son and put football pads on him and said, hey, you're a quarterback in the NFL now, <laughs> I'd expect him to get hurt pretty quickly because that, uh, he's built like he's going to get hurt pretty quickly. Yet people seem to see like it's a fluke that Kyler Murray's been hurt two years in a row. That's what's interesting because I don't think you were on an island when he came into the league. Kyler Murray's going to have trouble staying healthy. But now it's a minority opinion despite the fact two years – Two end of the seasons, he's been hurt, banged up, whatever you want to call it. Not the same guy at the end of the year. And you can say, well, in 2020, he played the full season, and he did. He just sucked after he got hurt. (laughs) Yes. Like, I'd rather you be hurt enough that you sit down and the backup plays. And, I mean, Colt McCoy is a pretty decent backup. I'd rather have Colt McCoy at 100% than Kyler Murray at 70. I just would. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the stats that Kyler Murray put up after his injuries the last two seasons – they tell you that they would have been better off. Yeah. Kyler signs now the second biggest deal in NFL history behind only Aaron Rodgers. And we talked about this a lot this week on, on SOV. They didn't have to pay him. Kyler Murray's played three years in the NFL. You can't extend someone until they've played three years in the NFL. Like, that's the earliest if you said we're going to extend him early, it would be now. If you're going to extend him the time when normally guys get ex- extended, it'd be after next season. Wait, you made Murray wait from February to July? How dare you? <laughs> and not only did you do that, but it pissed him off so much, he deleted all the Cardinal stuff from his Instagram. Like he was so bitter that they didn't, um, like the day they were allowed to give him an extension, they didn't. He got pouty. I'm a sooner. I'm a quarterback. I'm a sooner. What yeah. else do you want to know? And then they pay him, and he, this guy has the audacity to say, you know, it wasn't really about the money for me. I just want to win. Anybody who knows me knows I'm just here to win football. Dude, don't, don't be so petty that you scrub your Instagram account until the day you get paid and then say it was never about getting paid. It's only about winning. I've been in the lab. You guys had a contract? I didn't even know about it. I've been in the lab working. Except right. th- that's the other thing that comes out of this story is <laughs> Kyler Murray doesn't believe in the lab. No, he believes in uh, push-ups and running sprints, but not necessarily study and game tape. No. 
<laughs> Kyler Murray believes in his brain's ability to process things on a different level than normal human quarterbacks can, which this is the most fascinating thing to me. This quote, <laughs> I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and see it before it happens. Mm. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I see so much. It would almost be a burden to have all that knowledge if he studied. That's what he's saying. I see so much already. I don't want to burden myself with knowing the play calls of the defensive playbook. Not only that, it's like if I started working – I would unlock a level that you guys have never seen, and it would be they'd change the rules wouldn't of the league. It'd be Will Chamberlain in the 60s. Wouldn't be fair. Like, think about that quote, and think about if afterwards I said, that's a Peyton Manning quote. It's, there's zero chance that that could be true. Zero chance. Not only does he not think that way, he would never position himself, the ego, to say, I don't need to do this. He's always been like, let me do Peyton and Tom Brady. Let me do every possible thing to get an edge. That's their mentality. This is the opposite mentality. Who are the two greatest quarterbacks in the last 25 years? I would say Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Is there even an argument for anyone else? Aaron Rodgers fans would disagree. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. Yes. And Aaron Rodgers is, is like the biggest pain in the ass. to like, Right. Blake Bortles, two playoff wins the last five years. Aaron Rodgers, two playoff wins the last there five years. There you go. Years. So I'm going to say they're the con- – oh, maybe, maybe not consensus. I think they are the strong one and two. If you want to put them in a different order, whatever, right. okay, I'll allow it. Those guys, nobody works harder than them. Nope. Like nobody, everybody you hear talk about Peyton Manning is like it's just the way they do talk about the way he processes things. Yeah, but it's not like Peyton Manning hurt. Here's that. Here's like oh, <laughs> nobody processes like me, huh? Well, shit, I'm just not gonna watch film this week. That's it's insane. Nobody, everybody talks about Tom Brady being the first guy there, the last one to leave. Kyler Murray, meanwhile. Just, I, don't, I don't watch film. I don't watch the team we're going to play. I just, I'll just i figure it out on game day. And, of course, we're talking about this because for the first time that we know him, that anyone's heard of, unprecedented, there's a requirement in his $230 million contract that he could have all of that default upon. He could lose $160 million guaranteed dollars if he doesn't study four hours of team-prepared material four hours before every game day. That is a requirement. If he doesn't do it, he is in default of his contract. Which means... They're watching his iPad, and they like they made it a point to say, we don't want him to share time with him uh, on social media or surfing the web or playing video games. This has to be dedicated film study time, which tells you that before this was written into a contract, it was an issue. I've listened to Cliff Note videos while playing video games to you know get a C in some class I didn't care about. If this is what you're really doing, then you should. This is your life. It shouldn't be split up between different act, different leisure activities. Like, I can't imagine. And and you know what? It's I guess it's easy for me to say I can't imagine having a twenty five million dollar a year job or a four, <laughs> thirty five now is what we're talking with Kyler Murray. Thirty was it thirty five point one. I think forty-five. Uh, once it gets once it gets geared up, average. Of oh yeah, 45. you're right. Yeah, forty-five point one. Imagine someone's going to pay you forty-five million dollars a year, and they said, "But here's the deal, right? You've got to lock up your phone and your PlayStation until the off season. Would that be an issue for you? 
No, not I, I would just say, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it back from you in February. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, if they said you can't see your kids for a year, I'd be like, well, <laughs> all right, I got, get, dad's got to do what he's got to do. What would your kids want you to do in that situation? <laughs> they want me to take the 45 mil. Yeah. So the fact that it's become an issue for Kyler Murray, that he, like, he's distracted by these outside things, and this is why the Cardinals as an organization publicly said, we want to see Kyler get more mature. We want to see Kyler uh, become more of a leader. And that was, it seemed when they said that, they were saying we'd like to see this stuff before we sign him to an extension, which I thought meant they were going to watch him this year. And if he improved on those things, they were going to extend him at the normal time. <laughs> like, no one who gets their fifth year option picked up after year four is like offended by it. Or, or like, no, or if they picked up the fifth year option now, I mean, but instead yeah. extending him, right. like, it's, it's crazy. Like Mitch Trubisky got his fifth year entering his fifth year. So you might say, oh, well, I want That might be a little late. Yeah. Most guys would be getting their fifth year option picked up now. Exactly. And instead, he's like, no, he wanted to be extended. So imagine th- that's the guy who's getting upset, the guy who you're questioning if, he, like, if he's spending too much time playing video games instead of watching film. You extend him early? And it wouldn't be weird to me if I heard about a coach bringing a player aside and said, this year we want you to do this and this and this because it's going to make you a better player. But to put it in writing, to say legally you're not allowed to earn this money if you are not – doing this homework assignment, that shows me there's a big disconnect where they can't really talk to him. They have to put it on paper. They have to make it official. And what does his teammates think about that? If he messes up, are his teammates going to ask him about the four hours? Are his teammates going to be, hey, by the way, you know, I knew the blitz was coming. Did you? Like, it's, it really puts, a, I think, a fork between him and the team leadership role. And I think this is – it's really interesting because this could be – like, we could see Kyler Murray level up here. Like, if he's done this well with no film prep, there's something to be said for it. Because nobody should be as good. And, again, however good you think Kyler Murray is, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. I I think he's probably closer to 15 than he is to 10. But the fact that he's a top half of the league quarterback, given the givens about his study habits, that's impressive. Now, if he really gets serious, the potential there is huge. I mean, this could really be a, a like a game changer. Like he could become one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if that's the truth that he hasn't he hasn't been working the way you expect quarterbacks to work. And RJ was talking about maybe you have to extend a guy like this because personality wise, he's just not going to function when he has this pressure on him, and you're not rewarding him for what he thinks he's deserved. Maybe this is the way to treat the millennial athlete. Maybe with this little, you know, carrot and stick kind of Boy. mentality, this feels, maybe he will step up. But it's, it's, it's shocking, unlike it, anything we've seen before. It feels like the worst possible way to reward behavior. It seems like, yeah, it seems like it would do the opposite. Where Now I'm, I'm studying out of obligation rather than to perfect my craft. But you're right. I, I mean, the, the guys that are, you know, 23, 24 years old, are a different breed than what I am at 42. They're certainly a different breed than the NFL owners whose average age is like 65 or 70. So that's got to be a difficult pill to swallow. And, you know, I heard that 
Kingsbury was that he was excited to extend Kyler, which makes sense. They're the match made in heaven. Like those two guys are built for each other. As as one succeeds, the other will, or as one fails, the other will. I think that they're you're going to have a hard time finding a quarterback who's married to their coach in the same way. Like that, their success hinges on each other as much. Yeah. Like if if Kingsbury said, "I'm going to draw up the perfect quarterback for what I do," he'd pick Kyler Murray. And if right. Kyler Murray said, "I'm going to find the perfect coach for my skill set." He'd find Kingsbury. I want to be in shotgun. I want a bunch of wide receivers wide out, so my height yep. is less of a disadvantage. So they're they're perfect for each other. So Kingsbury's excited about the extension. Steve Kimes excited about the uh, extension. The GM because he drafted Josh Rosen, had to throw him out the window after a year, and put all his eggs in the Kyler basket. So of course he wants it to work. The right. guy the guy who was hesitant, the owner Bidwell. I don't think it's a coincidence that this is the old, you know, rich guy owner who probably, you know, I eat things hard work is the way to earn things and not not it's not the squeaky wheel that gets the uh the grease, it's the it's the it's the wheel that gets us there, that gets the you know. And he, it it was probably really difficult for him to swallow that this is the way we're going to have to handle this because I can't imagine he wanted to reward the behavior that Kyler had shown. And, but you're right. That may be just be, we may be setting the bar. The bar may be reset. And I think the bar has been reset by the, the contracts for Kyler and Deshaun Watson. I mean, we talked about this on SOV last week. The days of a, a $30 million quarterback are going to be gone. You're either going to have a $45 million guy that you think is elite top tier, or you're going to have a rookie on a rookie deal because having anything in the middle is a waste of time and money. Because if it's pay forty five million or pay you know eight million, and the guys who are making anywhere in between don't really have a chance to win the Super Bowl, what's the point of paying those guys? You you pay the guys who can win you a Super Bowl, or you pay the guys who you think will turn into the guy who can win you the Super Bowl. Anything else is a waste, and that that's the guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy, we talked about him being middle perfect perfect example. That's Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins who looks like. He's not a bad quarterback, but can he win you a Super Bowl? I don't know. Okay, that's that's like the middle of the road. Those guys are going to go away. It's going to be dinosaurs because you'd rather have a new a, you'd rather have a new ten million dollar rookie every year than have a thirty million dollar guy who probably can't win you the Super Bowl, but is going to win you nine or ten games. So in the modern era, and we define that as 2012 and on, after the big changes from the 2011 CBA, here's the guys that have won Super Bowl: Joe Flacco, rookie deal. Russell Wilson, rookie deal. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. Peyton Manning, maybe top three greatest of all time. Tom Brady again. Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, whoever you want to say was the quarterback, rookie deal. Brady, Mahomes, who was on a rookie deal. Brady, and then the big free agent signing, Matthew Stafford. Those are the guys that are winning quarterbacks. Top paid guys that are going to make the Hall of Fame and rookie quarterbacks. Well, we talked about this. You, No quarterback in history has done it, making 15% of his team's salary cap. Next year, there's going to be like – Nine guys. Yes. Now I shouldn't say next, not the upcoming season, but the year after, because a lot of these the real sal- the salary cap implications don't kick in until next year, uh, or, or until after next year. Sure. But in 2024, you're gonna have a lot of those guys, uh, and Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys this year. Yeah. So if you were to say you can't win the you can't win the Super Bowl if your quarterback takes up 15 percent of the cap, you can mark the Chiefs off the list. So here, three quarterbacks make more than 15 percent. Kirk Cousins. Patrick Mahomes taking 17%, and Ryan Tannehill 
taking almost 20% of the cap. All those guys are going to make the playoffs. Really hard for them to build a team that can win a Super Bowl with that kind of Well, that kind of think expense. about it. Why do you think Tyreek Hill gets traded? Right. Was Tyreek Hill not good at football anymore? All five-time All-Pro. Like, there's no way the Chiefs said, you know what will make our football team better? Trading Tyreek Hill. This is the exact same thing that happened in Seattle with Russell Wilson. The Seahawks won their they won their Super Bowl when Russ was on a rookie deal because they had the unquestioned best roster in the league besides quarterback. Yep. They had the best defense in the league. They had a, a top five running back in the league. They had a great offensive line. And they had a quarterback who was making like 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> then Russell Wilson got paid like a top five quarterback. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve to be. He did. But the downside of that is now. Ooh, now, now our safeties are coming up. Now our cornerbacks are coming up. Now our linebackers are coming up. How do we pay these guys? Well, the answer is you don't. Right. Those guys, go. they all go their separate ways, and your team diminishes, diminishes, diminishes. And unless that quarterback is getting better and better and better, there's no way – there's no way that it, that those those paths don't intersect at some point. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. your team goes down, your quarterback. It's it's like, and then at the end of it, the quarter, quarterback looks at it and is like, they're like, well, how come you couldn't win? You got paid like a top five quarterback, and it's like, well, roster around me is no good. Yeah, if I'm it, Kirk Cousins, yeah, get your money, bro. I got no problem. I with can't you blame you. Forty million dollars a year, but at the end of your career, if you want to say my team wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl, you could have easily said, well. Let me get paid like I'm worth $27, $25 million a year, and let me build the best team around me, or let me just get my money. But you can't have it both ways. You either are that guy and deserve to get paid like it, or you're admitting to be part of a team that can, is good enough to win a Super Bowl, I can't be paid $40 million a year. So where are the Arizona Cardinals is, is the question to me. They got and, a short Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. And, and Yeah, <laughs> and, and injury-prone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Arizona's got a, a a decent roster when everybody's out there. I think they, they you know, they DeAndre Hopkins. I think when he's on the field is a top five receiver. Um, they've got some things in place. They haven't proven to be a Super Bowl winning roster. And think about it: Russell Wilson didn't get paid until after he won the Super Bowl. Yep. So their window was a little bit a little bit bigger because. They won that Super Bowl, and then they paid him, and then you got a couple years for it to kick in. Whereas with with Kyler Murray, like to me, the only way going forward, and and this year doesn't matter as much. Like I said, it's only really punitive starting next year. Uh, the excuse me, the year after this this coming year. I, I guess the way the way you word it is is tough, but that's when it starts to get punitive. That's when if Kyler Murray isn't significantly better than he's been so far even, the Cardinals can't win. Yeah. So Cardinals rookie year with weren't expected to do much, five and a half win total. All right. He was rookie of the year, seven and a half the next year. Last year it was eight and a half. Expected to win eight and a half games out of 17. This year, eight and a half. I feel like we've reached the plateau. This is how Carlo Murray's better than expected. He's going to be a starter for the in the league for years. We didn't know that. Is there another level? That's the question. It's hard to win a Super Bowl with this. I mean, they're supposed to win eight and a half games. I don't know how they get much better than that. Yeah, man. And the the no-show in the playoff game against the Rams doesn't make me confident going forward about that team. Like, you talk about – hell, 
we just talked about people questioning Lamar Jackson. Can he win a playoff game like that? Right. I can tell you the way Kyler Murray played in the playoff games, it's it's literally impossible to win a playoff game doing what Kyler Murray did. And Murray and Kingsbury both, the way they finish seasons, it, it doesn't. It seems like a team that uh, could they win more than eight and a half games? Sure. Are they going to have any playoff success? It seems unlikely. I I, I don't. I don't feel good about I, I I don't feel good about paying the guy early. I don't feel good about paying the guy like he is like he's done it, which is what they did. Um, the fact that he's making he got paid at the same time Mahomes did, and got paid more, despite Mahomes having won a Super Bowl and an MVP in that time, is just incredibly difficult for me to wrap my head around. So, I don't know. I think Arizona regrets this sometime in 2025. They're looking at this going, oh, what did we do? What the heck? What were we thinking? And, it, you know, you and I probably won't be here to talk about it. I think we will be. Why okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know. But <laughs> if we are, mark the tape, Sleepy. And, and remember, this, remember this prediction that they're going to start regretting it around 2025. They're going to say, I wish we hadn't done this thing. I wish, or I wish we'd waited another year and just been sure. Because all like from the Instagram stuff to the iPad rule to him saying it was never about the money, all of these things are things that I don't want my quarterback to say or do. Like they're all things that I'm like, ugh, he's a child. Sure. He's a child. And it's, but again, there's people who, and I, I think Lamar Jackson has handled his stuff about his in about the the most classy way you could that could be expected. And not only is did he not get paid early, he's now where he's not getting he's not gotten paid late either. And he's handled it better than Kyler, who they paid as soon as they could. Yeah. So well, the Ravens have different goals than the Cardinals, and my uncle. I mean, do they? Uh, like on paper, do they have different goals? I think so. I mean, this is something my uncle said. My cousin Kyle's repeated it. About every year, there's five or six franchises that want to win the Super Bowl. And every other team, every other GM is just trying to keep their jobs. The Ravens have won the Super Bowl. They've won two. They want to get back there. I feel like Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, they'll be really happy if they can be in the league for 10 years. If they can just keep their jobs. I feel like that's the difference. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And... Boy, that's that's a it's a sad reality. It would be, yeah. If I'm a Cardinals fan and I hear that, I'm like, let me get a new owner, let me get a new GM. I want to be one of the teams with grand aspirations. I don't want to make the playoffs. If Kyler Murray finishes out this contract, he would be the longest tenured quarterback that the Cardinals have had since they moved to Arizona in 1988. So past Jake Plummer, Jake the Snake. Yeah, Jake Plummer, six years is the longest any quarterback played. For Arizona, since they've since they've or for the Cardinals since they moved to Arizona, longer than Kurt Warner, longer than Carson Palmer, like it's these teams that are just desperate to have a guy that they can put on the front of their media guide, yep. that they can put on their season ticket email and say, "Hey, come see our guy. This is our guy." And I I, I think they're so desperate to have that that they're willing to pay this premium for Kyler Murray, for a guy who hasn't earned it because the alternative is taking another swing yeah. and it might be Josh Rosen again. And has there ever been a GM with three number one overall picks or three top ten quarterback selections? No. 
Because if you get two and they both fail, usually you get a You're new gone. guy to pick the third one. You're gone. And if you look at Steve Kimes' uh, track record of number one overall pick or his first-round picks, m- most of them don't play their second contract in Arizona. Like So Kyler Murray w- was massively, massively important to Steve Kimes. So I, I guess that's where it, what it boils down to. But All right, let's transition now to some NBA talk. And the big story in the NBA this week, which the big story in the NBA since the, the I guess feels like since the season in it has been sure. Kevin Durant. The latest in that saga is the Boston Celtics jumping into the mix. The Boston Celtics have engaged in talks with the Nets, and there's apparently been an offer and a counter offer. The if you believe what you read, what's reported. The offer was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and multiple first-round picks for Kevin Durant. The Nets said no, which it surprises me a little that the Nets said no. But because I, I don't think you're going to get a better offer than I don't that. Think they will no. Then the counter offer is okay. We will take Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart plus a couple draft picks. Celtics say no. Marcus Smart had a a great season. I don't believe Marcus Smart is like a great player. I I think he's a good player who had a really good season. He's the defensive player of the year. I'm not taking anything away from it. Uh, First guard since Gary Payton, is that right? 1996, yep. That's impressive. But Marcus Smart is not like some irreplaceable piece. If you're willing to give up Jalen Brown, the difference between Derek White and Marcus Smart can't be the holdup on a deal. Because Jalen Brown's he's the deal. Yeah. And we'll get to whether or not Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant makes sense in a, in a minute. I don't like letting that gap between Derek White and Marcus Smart be the sticking point. Because I've said before, I think there are, it's, a, it's a repetitive piece. Yeah. And you saw it in the playoffs. When Marcus Smart came off the floor, what'd you put out on the floor? A- another defensive-minded point guard who doesn't really help you much on offense, which is exactly what Marcus Smart is. Like, Marcus Smart is shiny Derek White. Yeah, he's he, a little bit better on offense, but he's not good. He's a l- and he's a little bit better on defense. That's why he's Defensive Player of the Year. But Derek White is perfectly serviceable as a defensive it, guard. Derek White's probably one of the ten best defensive guards in the league. Yeah. So the drop-off defensively wouldn't be much. The drop-off on offense wouldn't be much. You also brought in a point guard that is your new offensive point guard. Like Malcolm Brogdon, you've made that deal. He's your new he's the he's your offense from the backcourt. Yep. This feels like just a I mean, maybe it's just a, an inevitability that it happens eventually anyway, and they're haggling over draft picks. Here's why I think it's inevitable at this point. You can't, if you're the Celtics throw Jalen Brown's name out there again and not trade him. You can't. The, his name got thrown out when they wanted to get Jimmy Butler. Yep. His name got thrown out when they wanted to get Kawhi Leonard. You, say, uh, you, you said uh, Anthony Davis? Yes, very, very uh, expressly. If it wasn't for Anthony Davis saying, I don't want to play in Boston, I think they make that trade. I mean, that's what all the reports said. Jalen Brown has got to feel unloved. 
let, let's let's make no there's no bones about this. If Jalen Brown isn't on the Celtics, they're non-competitive in that finals against the Warriors. He was he literally kept them in the series. Jalen Brown was the best player on the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum no-showed the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum's untouchable. Jalen Brown is apparently extremely touchable. If I'm Jalen Brown, I'm really frustrated by all this. And he, he tweeted SMH yep. as soon as the news hit the wire that the Celtics had offered him up again. Now that helps us transition to should the Celtics want this anyway. Jalen Brown's under contract for two more years. Kevin Durant's under contract for the next four. I think for the next two years, Kevin Durant's a better player than Jalen Brown. For the next four years, probably not. I I think in year three and four, that's probably where the the lines intersect and Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant's downward uh, slope meets Jalen Brown's. I don't know that the Celtics have the option of Jalen Brown beyond two more years because if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm not re-signing with the Celtics. Yeah, and even before this news is reported that Brown will test free agency in 2024, I feel like it went from, you know, maybe – you know, some chance that he'll leave till he'll probably leave. That's why I agree with you. I think this deal is inevitability. You don't dangle him out, this name out there again, knowing that he's going to be a free agent in two years unless you're really committed to trying to move him. So let's talk about who gives them a better chance. If, and I'll, just, I'll ask it to you in a couple hypothetical ways, if you swap out Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown this year, do the Celtics beat the Warriors in the finals? I think so. Not 100% sure, but I think that would put him over the top. What's the difference for you from a, a, a player rating standpoint between Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown? Brown worth about three points. Durant worth about six points. It's not uh, exactly apples to apples when you change teams, but yeah, about a three-point difference from Kevin Durant upgrade. And how many how many wins over the course of a year does that add up to? Do you, do you, does it work that way like it does in the NFL? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would just project that a, a six better than average team, six points better than average, wins about 60 games, whereas if you're three points better than average, you're winning about 50 games. Okay, so, I mean, and again, it's not apples to apples because it's not one guy who's who's worth, it's not saying Kevin Durant's worth 10 wins more than Jay, than Jalen Brown, but he's, he's going to add a couple wins to the docket. Right. And if those wins come in the playoffs, all the better. Now, it, it, there's no doubt, even without this deal, the Celtics could win the fight. The Celtics, before this news broke, before it was known that Jalen Brown was offered for Kevin Durant, where were the Celtics in the odds to win the title next they year? They were title favorites at 6-1. to one. So they were already the favorites. Yes, they were right packed there with the Warriors and Clippers, but they had a little bit of edge on them this Friday before we heard anything about this news. Okay, so this Friday we hear the news. Where are the Celtics now? They're number one. They're now 5-1. to one. So they've been upgraded. They're now, you know, significantly ahead of the Warriors at six to one, Clippers at seven. And mind you, all of that that upgrade, and you tell me if you think differently, is all on speculation that they might get Kevin Durant. Hundred percent. But we know if they don't, they're still on paper the best team entering the league this season. Yep, highest win total, number one favorite. So here's the question: Is it worth it? Is it worth it to piss off Jalen Brown? who, like I said, was the best player you had in the finals. Yep. We've talked about Kyler Murray, and I'm not comparing Kyler Murray and, and, and Jalen Brown necessarily, but we talked about the young athlete sure. and how, how much respect means to them. 
there's no way Jalen Brown can feel respected by the Celtics. It, does that mean, and I don't, again, I don't think Jalen Brown does this. I don't think he's that kind of a guy. But could you see Jalen Brown being like pouty and like half-assing? I found it notable that a report came out, and whenever this comes out, it means Brown is talking to someone and he wants it out, that I want to be back in Boston. So he's not going to loaf. I mean, he might not be happy about this news, but he wants to be a Celtic. He wants to try to achieve what they couldn't achieve last year. Do you think that this this move, if they, if if it doesn't happen, if they can't trade for Kevin Durant, do you think this hurts the Celtics for the next for the for the foreseeable future? No doubt. I think the chances that they would re-sign Brown in two years in 2024 went from 60 percent to 20 percent. I okay. really think it's that extreme. When it's like you said, it's not the first time he's been dangled out there. I feel like he wants to go to. Brooklyn or some destination where he can be the guy and feel like he has the back and the backing of ownership and management. Yeah, and I, I don't like Jalen Brown and and I took to be quite honest, neither does Jason Tatum. Neither one of those guys strikes me as a guy who would ever be like, I I gotta go somewhere I can be the number one. I, mean, it, I, I don't think either of those guys really care about being the number one. They both strike me as guys who want to win, yeah. which I respect about about both of them. I, I, I like I like uh Jalen Brown, the player. I I, I think he's got like his intangibles, he seems like a kind of guy I'd want on my team. He seems like a dog. I like that. I think we know Kevin Durant's not necessarily that. I mean, the the pattern of behavior by Kevin Durant says he, he sees things a little differently. He's more of an artist. He, he wants to win. I'm, I'm not saying KD doesn't want to win. He does. Yeah. But KD wants to win to add to his resume. Right. He doesn't want to win to say that he he's won. He could have to be the best. easily won multiple more championships, we would think, if he would have stayed on the Warriors. He wanted something else. I, clearly. So it, here's the question I've got for you, and this is, I guess, a tough one. If you're the Celtics, would you have just kept Pat, stood Pat, kept Jalen Brown? We were talking, what are the chances Jason Tatum, if he doesn't win the championship, and he didn't, if he ever gets back there and win it? And we were like, probably less than 50%. That's why I do this deal. I don't want to be good enough to win a championship. I want to be good enough where even if something goes wrong or one or two things goes wrong, I can still realistically get to the finals and win a championship. So because it's – even though it's short-term, I'm the Celtics. I don't – I have 17 championships in the bank. I don't need to be a good team. I want to be a great team. I do make this deal if I'm the Celtics. Here's the thing. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is the, the big two, you know, is the, is the top two guys – you can make an argument that they are probably like if you if you power rated all the top two players on every championship team for the last thirty years, they're probably pretty low on the list. Yeah, Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum would be very high on the list. Yes, very high. It might it probably wouldn't be Kevin Durant, Steph Curry high. It's not going to be LeBron, Dwayne Wade high. It's not going to be Shaq, Kobe high. It's but it's than pretty damn high. Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam, or Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Terry. Exactly, uh, and it's certainly better than Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Yeah. Your window shortens, but your chances in the near term are, are wildly great. And we talked. It, it, RJ made this point, and it, I think it's it's sort of similar about KD if he were to go to the Warriors. Yeah. The Warriors' future would be bleak. But who cares? We're not going to win a championship, most likely, yes. with Jonathan Kaminga being our best player anyway. If you can give yourself an 80% chance to win a title in the next two years or a 
50% chance to win one over the next four, I'll always take the 80. Yeah. Like, I, I'd much rather feel like I've, I've got a, sure, a close to a sure thing because the NBA purgatory is where you don't want to be. Like, you don't want to have a team out there that you think, okay, we're, we're pretty good. You don't want to be what the Heat are right now. Right. But the Heat have a really good team, and they've had a really good team every year. But they're not bad enough to trade for Kevin Durant. Yes. They don't have the pick. They're not good enough to win a title. They're not bad enough to go out and really upgrade without breaking up what they are at their core. Uh, And I think if the Celtics trade for Kevin Durant, I'm with you. The Celtics trade for Kevin Durant for the next two or three years, they're as good as anybody. Beyond that, you know, I mean, Jalen Brown is, what, 24 years old? If you if you assume and let's just give benefit of the doubt, Jalen Brown resigns with the Celtics. You get five more years of him at the end of this deal. There's no guarantee that it, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are good enough to win a championship. James Harden's been better than Jalen Brown his whole career, or maybe not now, but you know what I mean. Yeah, was never good enough to be, win a championship. Yeah. So and yeah, that's a good it's good uh, a good example of where the better player doesn't always do it. I think I think that if now that they've done it though, you've got to push hard. You certainly can't let the gap between Marcus Smart and Derek White be the difference here. Right, because there's too many interchangeable parts. I feel like maybe if Kevin Durant doesn't want this to happen, it won't happen. But if both teams and the player wants to it happen, you can add in draft picks. You can say Robert Williams instead of Smart if you, if that's what you're into, or maybe. Williams and Smart equals Brown and, and White. Do I don't think that do? happened. I don't think I don't think Williams and Smart equals Brown. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think the, the Nets are saying we want an A. We want an A yeah. side. Like they, we want. They said early on we want a twenty five year old All Star or younger. That's Jalen Brown. That's why I think it's going to happen because who else is going to offer a twenty five year old All Star? Nobody. Nobody else is, has has it in them. Yep. Really. So I, I and here's what I do. Also, if I'm the Nets, if I get Jalen Brown, I show the love. I yeah. extend him. I give him the max deal. I say, hey, this is your team now, bro. We're building around you. I, again, I don't think Jalen Brown's good enough to be the best player on a title team, but I, I, that's what I tell him, <laughs> and I start to build my roster to have room for someone to play with Jalen Brown who can get you over the top. Uh, and the truth is, Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown would be a pretty good one, too, if they, were, if they played together this year. Yeah, They'd be a pretty good one, too. Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons – could be a really, really good one, two, three if if Ben Simmons returns to form somehow. So, and again, I don't think the, those latter two guys are guys you want to attach yourself to long term. But even for one year, the Nets become viable. They like you could say, if I said a team with Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons was going to go, they were going to win the East. I don't think it's like insane to get your brain there. I don't think so at all. I mean, you look at just backcourts. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, probably the best backcourt in the league. After that, Harden and I mean Irving and Brown, I think is better than uh, you know Donovan Mitchell and whoever he ends up with, Luka Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, just top tier talent. That'd be a top three backcourt in the league. Just those two. Yeah. Uh, Steph, I think Steph and Clay are still in the discussion. Definitely in the discussion. Although, I mean, if you had blinders on, you didn't know who Clay Thompson was, and you only saw this year's playoffs. You wouldn't think he's an all-star. You wouldn't think he's, you know, something to write home about. But, yeah, you know, legacy-wise, pedigree-wise, probably. Okay, so maybe third. Irving and Brown would be behind Thompson and Curry, Paul and Booker. Not too many backcourts better than that. No. I, I think the, Haw- the Hawks may have worked their way into the conversation, yeah. adding DeJounte Murray. But, yeah, you're certainly in the, you're in the elite conversation now. Uh, all right, let's do some college football talk. 
And I think now is a good time for us to, to give you a deal to help you save some money. This is what we like to do. And listen, we are of the people, if nothing else, right? Like we're here for we're here for you. And we're here for you again. And the offer this week, normally we'll will be like uh, football twenty. You save twenty percent, and that's like that's nice. Sounds nice to me. And then RJ generous this week was like, no. Let's go sack twenty five. Oh. Twenty five percent off anything at pregame.com. One use only. It's good through August first. Go to pregame.com, click on buy picks, add to any package or subscription to your to your shopping cart, and boom, you use that coupon code on any package or subscription from your favorite pros at pregame. You could get the NFL early bird season all access, guaranteed lowest price ever today, and and you can get twenty five percent off of it today using that code SAC twenty five S A C K twenty five. Uh, we have an NFL and college football combo from Fezzik and I. You can get that right now. Sack 25. You could buy a year-long access to a pro. You want to buy McKenzie for the next year, get all his NFL this year, get all his NBA next year, get his off-season NBA stuff, get it now, and you'll you'll get the best deal possible, and you'll get 25% off. Sack 25. S-A-C-K 25. And... We've got some guys who killed it in football last year. Greg Shaker was up over 75 units last year. Sir. Hitman was up over 52 units last year. And in fact, there's a contest going right now at pregame.com. Beat the Hitman. You do that, you win free money. $500 to the winner. $500 extra dollars if you can beat Hitman. Not sure if you, not sure if you can. So, and of course, Fezzik, who was up 28 and a half units last year. Goodfella, over 50 units. Steven Nover, over 44 units. So, some fantastic options there at pregame. Go check it out. Use that promo code SAC25. 25% off this week. If you just throw it out there, another, I, I didn't sell the UFC this last weekend. I thought there were two fights that had value. Guess what? 2-0, baby. 2-0, baby. 2-0, baby. Uh, I will have a card this weekend for UFC 277, so uh, be ready for that. Be on the lookout for that. And one of the pros you can get, of course, is our guy Dave Essler, who's got a best bet on the NFL. Let's hear it. I love and I bet Terry McLaurin over 1,000 yards receiving. And it's not often I will take overs with player props, but I think this one is warranted, and here's why. I'm not a Carson Wentz fan, but he's an upgrade over Fitzpatrick, Hankey, Keenum, McCoy, and Kyle Allen. That's the list of quarterbacks who've thrown the ball to McLaurin the last three years. In 2019, it was Keenum, Haskins, and McCoy, and he still had 919 yards receiving. He's gone over 1,000 yards in his last two seasons with not only journeyman quarterbacks, but journeyman help on the outside. Last year... He did have Adam Humphreys, who had his breakout year in 2018 with the Bucks. But in the last three years, he's got a total of 101 passes. So, you know, he's not the answer. He wasn't the answer. So they draft Dotson out of Penn State. And although rookie wide receivers not named Justin or Jamar 
aren't prone to making huge impacts in year one. He was drafted 16th for a reason. You know, playing at Penn State, he played elite defenses in the Big Ten. I think that gives him a leg up, as opposed to guys like, say, Nikhil Harry, who put up ungodly numbers in the Pac-12. I don't think Antonio Gibson's a guy that can run the ball. 20-25 times a game and keep Washington from having to throw the ball. You know, he's only averaged 15 carries a game uh, last season. Uh, he's probably a bigger threat as a receiver, so Washington is going to have to throw the ball and they will be playing from behind regularly. So I think with the skill position upgrades on offense, I don't know how McLaurin goes backwards from each of his last two years. So I bet Terry McLaurin over 1,000 yards receiving. Terry McLaurin over a thousand yards, and I'm gonna I'm gonna endorse this. My, I'll tell you what. When I saw the pick, my initial instinct was, "Ooh, I don't want to be involved with anything that's attached to Carson Wentz." That, that my my brain said, "Turn off." But the guy's averaged over a thousand yards a year. Carson Wentz might be the best quarterback he's played with. Better than Kyle Allen. Better than yeah. So I, I like this pick. It, basically, it feels like it boils down to if he's healthy, this this should cash. Um, and he he's, should be happy. He's got his money. Like, this is a, it, I, I think it's a strong play here by Dave Essler. All right. That is going to be it for our episode here. I know we normally end you know, with Fezzik, but he's not here. Not here. Hey, 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 hey. Let's be careful out there. See you next time. <laughs>